Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too, but sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Windham, Maine, and Nick Face rejoining us off the bench, coming to us from Reading, Massachusetts. Nick, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? I feel like an idiot. I feel like an idiot because I said the Blue Jays were going to sweep the Red Sox in this lovely series. But you know what? It's okay to be wrong. If you're wrong and the, and the Red Sox end up getting the wins on the series, that's great. But what I do want to emphasize here on these wins is this should not make everybody go jump for joy. Let's get the banners ready. Put the champagne on ice. Hell no. Put the brakes on that. You got lucky at least for two of these games, and then you got James Paxton on Friday night. So I know we're going to dive more into it here, but major luck win in my eyes from Saturday. And then today, you just snuck that one out. You just did, thanks in part to Verdugo. So positivity, no doubt about it, but let's let's tread lightly. Absolutely. And... Terry, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? I am doing excellent. As always, the fans can find me at CushmanMLB on Twitter. Quick check of the standings. Uh, Red Sox still in last place. Back one game above 500. They are three and a half games out from the third wild card. Only gained a game and a half despite the sweep. That's interesting. But... To add on to uh, Nick's take, you know, the Red Sox overachieved a little. The The pitching matchups weren't overly favorable, uh, you know, for us. Uh, but the Blue Jays offense just hasn't shown up for a couple of series. And they, they're the biggest underachievers in Major League Baseball, I feel like. I don't think I took the bait this year, despite them looking like a World Series winner on paper, rotation and lineup at least. I, I want to say I took the Astros uh, to go back to the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. But I just wasn't a believer in this Blue Jays team, and they they keep showing me why. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the Red Sox uh, benefited, you know, three games to the good. So barely hanging in there. We did lose Garrett Whitlock. We'll get into that later. So maybe today was more of a net loss than a win. Yeah, it was a pretty surreal feeling. I mean, this is fresh off of uh, before the series, five straight losses. You know, in the second game of the series, we, we scored seven runs. We scored a total of eight in those five games before the series started. So as, as Nick was talking about, this was a series where, you know, pump the brakes. You know, I don't think anybody in their right mind is saying, oh, yeah, let's get the champagne out. But, uh, you know, we talk about inconsistency. This team is, is all about inconsistency because that's been this year. It's been a, a season plagued by nightmare situations and injuries. But uh, before we uh, get into it, 
Um, I know that Nick is going to be leading us off with studs and duds for our first episode. So, Nick, hit us off with your stud. Where would the Red Sox bullpen be right now without Chris Martin, guys? The Uh, guy has been a stud, a complete stud from the get-go. I was a little nervous that first week where you saw a little bit of shakiness, but that reason for concern was just gone and washed right away. He did go on the IL for one little stint there, but ever since he's come back, the month of June alone, numbers, 261 ERA. His his record right now is 2-1 and one with a 173 ERA. The amount that this guy has kept this Red Sox team relevant and technically still in this race and everything is remarkable. What I love about him is he's a comp- he's a competitor. When he's out there, he takes the ball. He's not afraid to blow it by like a guy like Vladdy Guerrero or just get into these jams and get right out of it. In a way, he's like Houdini. I feel like any time that he's coming in for these situations, when they call upon him, he delivers. He threw back-to-back Saturday and today again. Got the ball to your surprising closer of the day, Joe Jocks. Got the job done. I feel like if this team did not have Chris Martin at this point right now, we're probably way under 500 at this point. In my eyes right now, Jensen's been decent. I still think he's working through something and he's shaky, but the most reliable guy you have in that bullpen right now, and you got to protect him as best you can, is Christopher Martin. The Red Sox bullpen right now ranks 14th in MLB, just uh, just a hair under uh, a 4.0 ERA. They're currently 396, and a big part of it is due to Chris Martin. <laughs> I mean, Kenley Jansen had some shaky moments in this series, nearly blew a save, and... You know, we game after game, it, it when you know Chris Martin is coming in, you feel pretty good. You feel pretty good. There's nobody else that makes me feel like it's basically a sure thing. Jansen, uh, is, you know, has gone into like Kimbrel territory with me. He might be brilliant. He might. He might struggle. And it's it's not always pretty. And then everybody after Martin, I don't trust at all. Like this bullpen is just not good. It's trending the wrong way. And I just wonder what team Chris Martin's going to be playing for in, in three or four weeks. So, Terry, you brought up a couple of really good points about Chris Martin. And I, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was like two years, 17 17- like that you, you get what you pay for that expression is very true of all the relievers we've had this year he has been the only guy that has been 100 consistent more consistent than kenley jensen jensen signed a two-year 32 million dollar deal so if he ends up getting dealt i don't think you can deal chris martin i really don't because i think chris martin becomes your de facto closer at that point you know some of the former relievers that we had earlier this year are now finding themselves on different teams and they're doing okay not great ryan brazier now plays for the dodgers that happened a couple days ago. He's had six or five or six starts. He's allowed one run in five or six innings, six strikeouts. He's doing great. It's a weird thing. Like players leave that players leave the Red Sox and they go to the Dodgers and they find Jesus. 
You know, Mookie Betts has 20 plus home runs. JD Martinez has refound himself. He looks like he's 25 again. And Ryan Brazier looks like a reliever again. Um, Chris Martin left the Dodgers, came to the Red Sox. He's one of the four, you know, we say, you know, Dodgers East, Dodgers West, Red Sox East, Red Sox West, however you want to look at it. Um, Chris Martin has been everything advertised, and he's not young. It's taken him a long time to become a relevant reliever, and he's been relevant for the last three or four years. He did great for the Dodgers. He's doing great for the Red Sox. I see see him as being the next closer for the Red Sox if, for whatever reason, Kenley Jensen ends up getting dealt, which is a possibility. I think that if there's a team out there that needs to have a bona fide closer or you want to end up having you know that dual closer you know, set up that atmosphere where you have two closers in your uh, bullpen. I remember the Yankees did that when they acquired uh, the Baltimore closer a couple years ago when they already had one, but they wanted to, to shore it up by getting another closer. So um, absolute stud. He is the only reliever in our, in our bullpen right now, since Garrett Whitlock isn't there anymore, uh, that I do not have any worries about. 100% only reliever that I'm not nervous about. He's given yeah. up just five earned runs the whole season. And what's his ERA? One eighty like something. Yeah, that's stupid. He's at a one. Yeah, one seven three. He's at right now. That's just it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's his second or third ERA I think of his career. Yeah, and it seemed like the Dodgers really did unlock something because before the the trade deadline last year, when the Cubs dealt him to the Dodgers. He was pitching to a 4.31 uh, ERA in Chicago, and then his he go he goes to the Dodgers, and then his strikeout per nine goes up a full strikeout. So the Dodgers unlocked something, uh, much like the Rays unlocked Michael Walker's changeup, and he was able to carry that over with us last year. And I think right. Martin is carrying over whatever the Dodgers unlocked with him. And, and, and Terry, that's the other thing, too, is there are some pitchers and some players that just take a little bit longer to find themselves, whether it be an additional pitch, the removal of another pitch, just becoming more comfortable or changing the mechanics, the arm slot, doing something different with the glove. It could literally be anything. They were talking about this recently with uh, a, a pitcher. Um, there's a couple pitchers that do that. They, they shake the glove because some pitchers have a tell with the way that they grip the ball inside their glove certain batters can tell what pitch is coming. And the Boston Red Sox, and formerly with the Chicago Cubs, had a pitcher named Ryan Dempster who literally looked like, I mean, no disrespect, it looked like he had almost like Parkinson's because he was shaking the glove so aggressively. You really did not know what pitch was coming. Um, and, and he was known for that. Like Ryan Dempster would do this like – shifty glove thing and you never knew what pitch was coming it was absolutely mental and there are a couple pitchers now that do that uh, but i mean absolutely fantastic you know stud i would be shocked to ever see his name show up on the dud list just because even if he has two appearances and one one's bad the other one's still going to be good there was a guy that the red sox had back in the early beginnings of the 2010s do you guys remember scott atchison yeah oh yeah of course he was yeah. he was an yeah. older guy too an older guy in a way that kind of found lightning in the bottle more so towards the later end of his career. I feel like Chris Martin is a better Scott Atchison right now where you can just rely on him and be consistent and get it done. My thing that Terry, uh, Terry Duggan found is 
the whole thing with the Dodgers, with him finding something there, my gut reaction here, and I hope that this doesn't happen with the Red Sox, but sometimes when people go off from a team that fixed you, you get broken. I just hope whatever stays with Chris Martin is, again, consistent so he doesn't fall off the train and go back to old ways. So whatever's working for him right now, stick with it because it's been outstanding. Absolutely. Uh, Terry, uh, who'd you have for your stuff? I feel a little weird taking a guy that was two for 13 for the series, but he did have two epic moments. Uh, one of them was the throw uh, from right field that essentially ended game two. That's Alex Verdugo. And you can say what you want about Bo Bichette running through the stop sign and that he never should have ran home. He was out by probably eight or ten feet. But is a throw from Yoshida or a throw from Duran going to be perfectly online? for Wong to make the tag uh, and get Bichette out because it it would at a minimum have to be online so it was a very it was a very accurate throw for Verdugo and uh, I was really impressed Uh, like I said ended uh, game two and then game three today hits the go-ahead home run off of Jordan Romano the Toronto Blue Jays closer and uh, essentially wins that game for the Red Sox. So big, uh, big moment for Verdugo. And his defensive metrics right now are off the charts. He is an elite right fielder. We haven't really seen it since Mookie Betts. And um, just having a having the best year of his career all the way around. He's he's on pace for the most doubles he's ever hit as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, speaking of doubles, that's going to be a part of the conversation later, later tonight, Nick, anything you want to add? You know, I just feel like it's a shame that he isn't the Red Sox representative as the all-star. We like Kenley Jensen, but off air, we all kind of said that the, the player that's been the most consistent that's brought this team to being at least passable right now has been Verdugo. The amount that he's helped this team currently with not just the bat, but you see the leadership. You even can see his base running has improved. How many times over the years have we squawked back and forth? Oh, Verdugo needs to learn how to run bases. He's pathetic. Bah, 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 bah. I don't feel like we've said that that much this season, which is great. The play in right field last night, I was out to dinner when I was watching it, and I actually was saying, I'm shaking my head. I'm like, why the hell are we not just putting Vladdy on base at, fir- at first base and just walking him and then taking your chance with the next guy up, who I think would have been Brandon Belt. When I saw the ball when it was hit to right field, I, I go, oh, Jesus Christ, here it comes again. For Dugo, I was surprised at how well he played that hop right in. And that arm, the arm isn't the strongest in the world. It's no Johnny Damon. I mean, that was the most pathetic arm I think we've ever seen in our ever watching a game. But he hit the target right on the money. And as a first baseman, when I was playing and everything, what I liked is there was no cut. There was no cut white from from anything that was there. I believe that was Turner playing first base last night in the ninth inning. Don't quote me on that. Or was it Casas? But they let the ball 
go right into Wong, got it on the hop, got it right there, and Bichette was out for miles, for miles. So it was a hell of a play, and that is what you've seen this season with Verdugo. Consistent, putting him anywhere in the lineup and getting the job done. He's been a spark plug. I think that that's the best word you can describe <clears throat> describe him for this season. At least so far, has been he's been a spark plug for this team, a much needed one. Terry, anything you want to add? Nothing to add. So, very seldomly do we have a player that ends up winning one game with, uh, you know, a defensive play. That usually doesn't happen in the ninth inning with a throw at our home. I don't remember the last time that a player was responsible for winning a game with a throw and then the next day with a game-winning hit. Uh, you already talked about the series going two for, you said 13, because he was just hitless the last two games before that home run in the ninth inning against Jordan Romano, who, statistically speaking, has done very well against the Red Sox, except if your name is Verdugo. Terry, you brought that up with me that I believe he's had two home runs against Romano in his career, so credit to you. Um, he's been really, really consistent. The, the only thing is, you know, we're just not seeing, I think, the power that we wish that we were going to see. That was something that we'd hoped for in the future, but Doogie is a, a fun-loving guy. He enjoys playing the game. He loves being in Boston. I think his, his cap is going to be hitting probably 270 to 280 with, 12 to 14 home runs, maybe 70 to 80 RBIs, and that's that's pretty much his cap. I don't think he's going to get bigger or better than that. Anything else you want to add, Nick, since uh, you, you spoke about him too? No. I just don't think that there's going to be that all-star chance. I don't know how much people kind of put that whole emphasis on with how many all-stars and everything that are going to be there, but if I had to choose a player on the team that I felt could be inserted into that, Verdugo was in my top three of people that should be going to the All-Star game. I yeah, understood. agree oh, with sorry. that. I, I said I would agree. I mean, Yoshida would be the other one that comes to mind, but Verdugo isn't nearly as streaky uh, as as Yoshida is. So they they both have uh, an innate ability to not strike out but i just feel like verdugo gives you the more fluid offense and better defense quite frankly fair enough uh right on so with our third stud of the series i had james paxton who went 7 and 2 thirds allowed 3 hits no runs no uh nothing earned a pair of walks and 7 strikeouts through 110 pitches, that is the longest that James Paxton has gone in a game since April 16th of 2019 when he was a member of the New York Yankees and was facing the Boston Red Sox, allowing two hits in eight innings, striking out 12. Uh, I just don't know how we can say anything bad about this man. It's James Paxton and Brian Bayo who are the only two consistent it's a two-headed monster either one of those guys i'm not going to bet against them uh i don't care who they're facing unless they're like an ab unless it's like shane mcclanahan where it's going to be really tough but he's out um i have faith in, in both of these guys i don't care who they're going to be facing i feel very good about both of them playing now it just doesn't seem to matter who they face they're they're piecing everyone apart 
Paxton had four out of five quality starts. His only non-quality start, he still went four innings, only allowed one run against Chicago. He's consistently putting quality appearances together. He's allowed only two home runs in his last six appearances, and he's 3-0 and in those six games. So, I mean, at this point, he's been worth every, you know, every dollar so far this year. I mean, it was painful. We, I, Terry, you and I went back and forth, not against one another, but like in alignment about how upset we were with everything that went on last year because everything was just so off. He wasn't playing. We weren't doing great. And it just felt like we donated possibly $14 million for James Paxson to, to not have thrown a pitch. At this point, I think I have to say I was wrong about Paxton like completely. It's taken a really, really long time to watch and, and you know have this take place. But good God, has this been a ray of sunshine and a moment of bliss in a season that has been marred by you know constant nightmares and just constant disaster. Uh, I will leave it there. Uh, Nick, why don't you throw in your two cents and then Terry, we'll, we'll have you wrap it up. I think many of us were just concerned after that previous start when he only went four innings. What James Paxton are you going to get when he throws? I believe Terry and I were the ones that were pretty wishy-washy, I think is the good word, on if the guy was even going to start against the Blue Jays. We finally heard the report earlier last week during the Marlin series that James Paxton was given the, the clearance to throw for Friday night. And that definitely raised an eyebrow for me from like, wow, durable enough. He's going to get out there, but what are we going to get? And going up again, they're not having a great offensive season, but the names in that lineup, that's a valid lineup. Definitely very formidable out there for the Blue Jays. He just delivered and did he deliver well. It was outstanding to see. He's been consistent. He stayed healthy for the most part, and he's giving you that one-two Monster, much like you said, Charlie, with with Bayo and himself anchoring the top of that rotation. I have confidence each time now that he goes out. I like his compete level. I like what I'm seeing with different different uh, pitches that he goes with. It's not just all fastball. He'll mix up different pitches and locate. We're not seeing the walks that we were concerned with back when he was doing his rehab in Worcester. So all is all looks great on the Paxton front. My big thing is I think that he's probably the Red Sox biggest trade chip right now. If they do go the end of selling, that's a guy that I think you could see a decent return back and somebody that would probably get you something in return. I know he's older and everything, but for teams that are really going into the playoff hunt here, wouldn't you want a guy that's a proven veteran left-handed starter that gets the job done as, and is consistent? That's James Paxton. So I'm curious to see the direction on where this team is headed, specifically in the next two, three weeks. Terry. The scary thing is Heim Bloom has never dealt a veteran and gotten back a good return. So <laughs> if it's a full-scale sell-off of all our short-term guys... You know, say a prayer, I guess. Um, I'm willing to admit right now that as far as, you know, a performance aspect, I was wrong on Paxton. The dude, like Charlie said, has been lights out far and away better than I, I ever would have expected him uh, to perform. 
And and for a while, I, I don't have his number of starts up. He's got to have made at least seven or eight by now. Um, basically, you know, I, I was waiting for him to fall off at some point, and it, and it just hasn't happened. Now, where I am still skeptical, and skeptical is my middle name, um, I don't know that he's going to hold up, you know, as far as durability. Uh, he did leave game uh, his previous start in the fourth inning. I can't remember if we ended up winning that game or not. Let's see. I have it right here. Um, sorry. I thought it was the last series. We lost. Uh, so that was the... Uh, that was the middle game against the White Sox. So I don't know if we end up still winning that. You know, if Paxton goes his typical, you know, six or seven, you know, maybe the result changes. But um, but we'll see. I mean, he's got a knee problem, and maybe that's behind him. Hopefully it's behind him. But it's just still hard for me to imagine him pitching. Let's say he doesn't get traded what would he pitch the remaining of the year? At least 70 innings. So I, I just, that's far fetched to me at, still you, at this point. So you think that Pax is going to get uh, dealt at the deadline? I mean, I think there's a high probability that, you know, we're going to see pieces get shelled out because I think when you're looking at the teams that are really, really going out and, and already making additions, the Texas Rangers, weeks before the deadline, they were probably scouting a world as Chapman a month before the deadline. The Rangers got Aroldis Chapman, who's pitching lights out this year. He's had a couple blips, but shoot, name a reliever that hasn't. He's been way above average. Back to his old self. They're one of the two best teams in the American League. The Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays have stupid records, and they're not even the top team in Major League Baseball right now. The top team in Major League Baseball is, believe it or not, the Atlanta Braves, who before today's action, I believe, had won 15 of their last 16 games. They're playing out of their damn minds. Matt Olson who was cold as ice to start the year, has, I think, 20, 27 home runs or 28 home runs. That happened, like, in the blink of an eye. And you got Ozzy Albies, who's lighting up. You have Austin Riley, who's pitching lights out. Spencer Strider, I believe, set the record for the fourth, I think, the fourth highest number of strikeouts after pitching X amount of innings. I forget the number. I mean... This team just can do no wrong, and they're they're forget about Acuna, who's going to be probably the first 30, 50 Major League Baseball player with thirty homers and fifty stolen bases. That team is just destined for greatness. Uh, the Red Sox just don't seem to to be able to compete or put a team together unless they go all out by selling all of their players, and it's just or selling all their prospects. It's just not going to happen. So I, I I think Paxton could be on the move. I really do, and it does make me a little sad. There's no point to keep him. I mean, if no, you if you've decided you're not going to make the playoffs. Right. Then, yeah, there's no point. Yeah. So um, with those three, we had a couple other honorable mentions. Rob Reef Snyder had a, a four for nine series, uh, a walk, a run, a couple strikeouts, a couple of stolen bases. So always nice to, to flash the speed. Usually there's only one guy that we see on a consistent basis stealing bases. Rafi Devers went six for 12 in the series, had uh, a big home run, five RBIs, another double. Um a uh, couple of singles as well. Um, you know, just incredible series. Jaron Duran had a dumb, a dumb game in this series. 
going five for five and four doubles. I mean, he went from being, I don't know, I think top 15 to 20 on the American League for doubles. And now he's like fifth or sixth overall in doubles. He went from 21 to 25. He has one less double than Alex Verdugo in 100 less at-bats. That's dumb again. It's, it's, it's double Duran. Not dumb Duran, it's doubles Duran. You, we used to have Mitchie Two Bags. Well, now Mitchie Two Bags is a little bit younger and can run like the Dickens. The guy is just going off. Four doubles, a single, uh, a home run as well. And then you got Masataka Yoshida, who also had a, a really good series, going five for seven with four singles, uh, another home run. Uh, Terry, you were talking about it. If there's a player to go to the uh, All-Star game, I honestly put Masataka over Alex Verdugo, in my opinion. But that's just me. Uh, Terry, why don't you go first on this one, then Nick, we'll have you wrap it up. One one thing on uh, just Duran real quick. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, geez, he's hit a double every time today. You know, if nobody's on base, you may as well just walk him. But then I'm thinking, well, he's going to steal second anyway if you do that. So on second thought, you may as well just pitch to him and hope you get him to line out or pop out or strike out. I mean, he still is prone to strikeouts. That's the one thing that, you know, he really needs to rein in. But he got his batting average back over 300 today. It's like 307, 308, something like that. Um, five for five, just absolutely insane. But, yeah, lo- love what I'm seeing. We'll probably talk about him a little bit on the other side as well. The thing I liked on the Duran game today was the ability to drive the ball to the opposite field. The fourth at bat that he had, the fourth double of the game, was the one that nearly made it over the fence in left field. And I feel if he is locked in and he is going right, when you see him driving the ball to the opposite field with authority, that is a guy that could be a scary good player for this team and is a building block towards the future. I am at the point now with the progression of where Duran is. Terry and I have been talking this, talking about this on the YouTube show throughout the week. I don't want to see Adam Duvall anymore. I don't. I just don't. I want Duran in center field, hitting against right-handed and left-handed pitching, giving him that opportunity to see if he is the real deal. Is he going to be our building block guy that's in one of the positions in the outfield? doesn't have to be center but one of those spots out there. I still do not feel Adam Duvall is right. I don't think this is the worst that you're, I think you're seeing the worst of what Adam Duvall is, but you're at a point right now where you, you need to play Jaron Duran. You just need to find a way for him to get into the lineup. Um, Rob Snyder again, I like what he does quite a bit. I think he's been an excellent addition for this team. I think he's a great clubhouse leader but I don't like him all the time. In the He's not an everyday player. I think what you get from him in a sample size is excellent. So from those two that are there, very happy and pleased with what we saw this weekend. Terry. Nothing to add. Very odd when you and I have nothing to add. So that means you're doing real well there, Nick. Really on point. Uh, Duran has been a nice surprise. Last year, Jason and I teed off on Jaron Duran. We teed off on him because of one really bad decision that he made post game when the Red Sox got 
annihilated by the Toronto Blue Jays. So on the flip side, last year, when he lost the ball in the lights and Ramel Tapia hit an inside-the-park grand slam, which we all remember because the Red Sox had a new record of runs set against us, he just was lights out. Um, uh, Jaron Duran has completely flipped a switch. I don't know how you have Jaron Duran out of the lineup at this point. I really, I really don't. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this a couple times, Terry. I think you put it on the, on the Twitter. Uh, there's uh, some feedback. I hear someone typing. Um, but uh, Jaron Duran has to be, you know, very, you know, honestly put, he, he needs to be a mainstay in your lineup regularly. That's it, period. Done. Uh, anything else you, you gents want to add? Nope. Moon right along. Excellent. So going into our duds section, Terry, I know last week we uh, we had a body part mentioned for your dud. Who is your dud this week? Any change? Uh, yeah, I'm going with another uh, body part again. So my my dud is going to be Garrett Whitlock's elbow, and um, it is what it is. I mean. He's in uncharted waters in terms of, you know, overall load. Um, he's never pitched more than 120 innings at any level of the minors or majors. And I think he's pitched just under 50 innings this year as well. So it's concerning. And we always talk about, you know, should he be a starter? Should he be a reliever? I just don't think I don't think his elbow can can withstand a full MLB season as a starter. I really don't. And it's too bad because I mean he's had some very good starts this year. Very good starts against very good teams. And I the last time around he missed what, three weeks with the um I forget what the uh the, the neuritis, I think, in his elbow was what they called it. Um, so who knows how long he's going to be out at this point, but you're so thin now. You've lost Chris Sale for a while, though he has started to throw at, at 60 feet. He's going to be at least probably four to six weeks, best case, before he comes back, uh, barring he, that he has no setbacks. Uh, Tanner Houck... Uh, Still probably going to miss, you know, at least six to eight weeks. You're just, you're running out of bodies. You are running out of bodies. All you have right now is Paxton for as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Bayo has been a bona fide ace. We talked about it last week on the midweek. Uh, and then Cutter Crawford's been better than we expected. You know, I'm I'm still a skeptic, especially when we start facing good teams again. I don't know. Let's see. Will he be playing in the uh, Texas series? I'm not sure. Um, let's see. Saturday. No. Well, that puts him on track for what? Thursday, actually. So he could pitch on Thursday. We'll be getting into that uh, on the afternoon commute for you guys. But, but so again, Paxton, Bayo, and Crawford. That's what you're rolling with right now. You got a bullpen day every fifth day. 
You got that Kyle Baraclaw kid. He might he's been pitching very well in Worcester. Just two starts though. But you could easily remove Justin Garza from the 40 man to put him on and then throw him out there every fifth day and see what you get. But you you're out of bodies for the most part. You know, you're out of guys that are gonna give you a, a legitimate chance to win every fifth day. It's just the sustainability of this rotation it has just gone by the wayside. And that's exactly what I was that's exactly why I picked them to win 74 games. I did not believe in the durability of this rotation. And I didn't believe them, you know, I, I didn't think they could perform either. And Whitlock did prove me wrong from a performance side uh, aspect. I already admitted I was wrong a few minutes ago on Paxton. Uh, Hauk was up and down. He had a very good couple of starts with the Yankees, but hadn't been pitching well otherwise in a while. So um, this is it. This is the Bloom era, you know, where where you're going to have a lot of question marks with your rotation and you know we're we're facing the consequences of it right now and and this time it's Whitlock Nick I'm going to start it out with Garrett Whitlock with saying it with one word that best defi- best defines him right now and that one word broken a guy that came on the scene 2020, caught lightning in a bottle with just revitalizing his career. Failed rule five pick from the Yankees, finds his way to Boston. Ends up being the greatest thing in the world in the Red Sox pen. They move him around. They try and figure out what the best spot is for him. Still battling a little bit of the injury bug and everything throughout the years and finally giving him the chance this season to be a legitimate starter. That came with a lot of conversation, with a lot of people having an opinion about whether he's a starter or whether he is a reliever. This should not come as a know-it-all type of statement with it, but it's a result business. His ERA as a relief pitcher is is oh is under excuse me two as a reliever and as a starter it's over four about about in the mid fours right now you're not seeing a guy who can be developed as a starting pitcher with the track record that he has it seems like every single chance he gets a start that's half decent even when he was or had a start earlier this season was half decent two starts later it's all the elbow, the elbow problem again. The injury concern mounts. When he comes back this season, and that's an if, we don't know what's going to happen with this whole elbow issue right now. I swear to God, if I see him go back into that rotation again, I am going to throw an absolute nutty. This guy should not go back to the starting rotation. Should not. We have got to see him develop stay healthy, and be in the bullpen where he belongs. Being asked to get into the rotation earlier on this season was because of the team that Bloom built. So right now, if you want to point blame at something, Bloom. Bloom was the guy that banked on him to be in that rotation and to be that guy that was going to give them one of five different options in that rotation. So 
Hopefully he comes back healthy, finds his groove, and goes to the pen where he belongs. I've been saying for a really long time that Garrett Whitlock never should have been taken out of the uh, bullpen because on more than one occasion we've seen him get shelved and then we have uh, an issue. I mean, he's been able to pitch past the fifth inning in three or four appearances this year. He's done okay as a starter. He's gotten absolutely shelled in another. But I have been a long-standing supporter of the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In 2021, you saw one of the most lethal relievers that we've had since, in a non-closer role, since probably Daniel Bard. This is someone who, it didn't matter what situation he came in, he was going to be lights out. He had a sub, two ERA when we when we got him in the Rule 5. The Yankees just completely discarded him. And people can say whatever they want. Oh, you know, he's injury prone, this, that, and the other. He wasn't injury prone as a reliever because he wasn't being asked and given the task of throwing 50 to 100 pitches every fifth day and the problem is you're seeing it right now Garrett Whitlock is not a starter it just is not a reality that we should become accustomed to it's just not his thing and we're getting burned for it we're getting absolutely burned for this and instead of having what could be a lethal lockdown bullpen with the likes of Garrett Whitlock and Chris Martin and Kenley Jensen and Bernardino sometimes, uh, a couple other names that are doing relatively well. You're just, you're forced to have Garrett Whitlock in the rotation because we didn't invest in a rotation. You know, Tanner Houck took a, took a pitch off the face, facial fracture. That's unlucky. Chris Sale is doing a Chris Sale thing, unfortunately. I love Chris Sale. Bayo's been amazing. Paxson's been amazing. Garrett Whitlock never should have been in the rotation. And... The fact that he went one inning before an injury, if it wasn't this start, it would have been the next one. That's just, unfortunately, the 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 expectation that's been set forth when it comes to Garrett Whitlock. So I hope him, I wish him well. I hope he, he heals, he recovers. But when he comes back, I don't want him in the rotation either. I really don't. And I've been, I've been saying I didn't want him in the rotation. He wasn't paid to be a starter. He was paid to be a reliever. So that, that's that. Terry, anything else you want to add to that one? Well, I just think that, like, right now they had no choice. I mean, if, if you go a second bullpen day, you're you're done. Like, Heim made his bed, and, you know, we had to live with that and and potentially deal with the consequences. But, you know, the, the mistakes Heim made were last winter by not, you know, adequately addressing the rotation so that, so that you know, Whitlock could potentially pitch in the bullpen. But, but it it just didn't happen. So we we had we had a choice, he not did. not us. But 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 Hyam Bloom had a choice. Right. He made the wrong. Choice. He's made a lot of wrong choices, and not actually having a rotation. The biggest joke that I have heard in the last two years, the one line that I have found to be the biggest joke in the last two years. Do either one of you guys want to take a guess what that line is, or do you want me to just say it? Say it. What well, good starting starting the starting pitching is a position and a place of depth. <laughs> yeah. That one line, nothing peeved me off more because at the time Paxton was not available. Chris Sale 
was still recovering. Brian Bayo, we hope, was going to do fine. Tanner Houck, we were hoping, was going to be fine. Corey Kluber, we were hoping, was going to have a rejuvenation this year. Pavetta, we were hoping, was going to do fine. Do you see where I'm going? We have no position of depth. Starting pitching is not a position of depth. That is the biggest crop I have heard in the last two years. And with all the injuries, whether they be freak or natural, you're seeing right now firsthand why you need to have six starting pitchers when you go into a Major League Baseball season. That's the it. Nerds did, the nerds did not do their job. Those nerds in baseball ops, the nerd herd let us down. Let them know. Speaking of that, why don't you let us know who your dud was for the series? I've been done with this guy ever since last season, but I felt like it was fine to just rain on his parade after a wonderful, horrific game that he had today. Uh, Kike Hernandez. I, he like makes my blood boil as a player. We all know from the get go when Kike hit came here from the Dodgers, they hyped him up so much to put him into a starting role. The guy is not a starter, not on a good team, at least. Not a starter. Got inserted into the shortstop position because you lost Xander. Then Trevor Story went out. Then you basically had nobody other player to take that opportunity. It's up to 14 errors on the season at shortstop. That feels great. And now he's nothing but a waving wand up at the plate right now with figuring out how to hit the baseball. So what you just saw from today again was another 0 for 4 performance. Three Ks on the day. He is not impacting this team in the field. At the plate, I think the only thing he's doing right right now is holding up the pom-poms in the dugout and making this team cheer on everybody else right there. He is a DFA candidate for me. We've talked about this on the show before. I think he's so liked in that clubhouse that it would impact everything right there. But if you're replacing him with another option that can be a better quality player, I don't even care if it's offensively. If you're upgrading the glove and just getting another player in there that can get the job done, sign me up. I'm all set. The Kike Hernandez experiment with the Boston Red Sox is over. Terry. I think we're stuck with him until at least the the deadline. I don't think they'll DFA him because, I mean, Reyes is hurt. Arroyo could get hurt. And then, you know, Yu Chang isn't back. It's just they're going to keep him just for the versatility. And it's not even good versatility. In a perfect world, yeah, we would get rid of him. But I just can't. Our roster is just so messed up. It's just, I want to say, I want to use a swear word here, but I won't. Lori uh, should be proud of me right now. But um, it's just, what do you do? This middle infield is the trashiest I've ever seen. I I think on a recent show, I think I did say it on the air. I'm like, remember Marco Scudero? (laughs) He wasn't spectacular, but he got the job done. What would I give for a Marco Scudero type guy right now? It's just, it's not Kike and Duran's emergence will basically prevent, uh, you know, Mookie from uh, Mookie uh, Kike from being in the outfield. 
Uh, you know, Duvall's still here, so that's even further going to block him. Unless you're given a couple of guys an off day, there's no place to put Kike uh, out in the outfield. So, um, but I still feel like they're going to keep him for now. So they're absolutely going to keep Kike Hernandez. There's no question about that. You, if if the mindset, you can be done with Kike Hernandez. The Boston Red Sox will not be done with Kike Hernandez because of last year. And while you've been upset with it through last year, I completely understand that sentiment. I mean, if, if we want to talk about numbers, numbers don't lie. People do. The second half of June going through July, one run scored, one RBI, 10 strikeouts counting today, nine hits and probably 45 at-bats, about a 200 or so batting average, not that great. Kike Hernandez re-signed with the Boston Red Sox for, I believe, $10 million for 2023 with the commitment that we gave him, we were going to put a competitive team around him. A player that is well-liked in the clubhouse, well-respected in the clubhouse, someone that overall I think would detrimentally affect the mindset and psyche of the team if he were to leave. Worse than when we got rid of our backup catcher who was irrelevant at the time, where you had players like Xander Bogart saying, oh, you know, getting rid of a guy like him, it's like, you know, this is someone who makes our team a contender. You're a joke. This is someone that while he is struggling, he has had moments where you're thankful for it, and I completely get it. He was a career backup. The Red Sox made him a full-time starter, and he rewarded the Red Sox with 20 home runs in his first season, and I get it. You can't, you can't pay the man for, for past performance, and I'm all for that. I stand behind that. At the end of the day, we promised him that we were going to give him a competitive team and a competitive roster, and that's why he came back to Boston. If you get rid of Keith Hernandez right now, you are stuck with Keith Hernandez. If there's one player that I put all my eggs in to be stuck with and it's a dead contract for the rest of the year, it's Keith Hernandez. And the reason for that being is you committed to him. If your word is bond and you get rid of Kike Hernandez, you are telling the players, we'll say whatever we need to say to get you here, but ultimately, we don't give a damn. We'll get rid of you if the price is right. Every player has a cost. Everybody is available, except for Rafi Devers. That is a statement of fact. No one is going to take on a $300 million contract unless you're a complete moron. The Yankees were stupid for taking on Giancarlo Stan. I think everybody now recognizes you shouldn't do that, period. Kike Hernandez is untouchable because of the promises that we made to him. That is all I will say. Nick. Promises are meant to be broken if, and this is an if, we do turn into the seller mode. And that's where my mindset is at with that. I am not discarding everything that you just said, Charlie, is 100% accurate. He's well-liked. The players like him. And he's responsible, in my eyes, for Justin Turner, Kenley Jensen, and Chris Martin, those guys right there being a part of the Red Sox. 1,000% dead on with that. The result of what you have here is I don't know how Kike is going to do with going back to a bench spot and not playing every day once we see the likes of like a Trevor Story and some other guys coming back into the mold. Will that impact the morale in the clubhouse with that sort of thing? And will that continue to detriment the season that he's having right now? It's a big what-if game that you play here from that. But I just wanted to acknowledge that your statements of everything that you said there is dead on, 
I 100% agree with you there. I'm just looking at the results business of what we see right now. And there's no question. There's been no question about the results. The results have not been there. I will not dispute that. I love Key Karanez. I think he's great. For the points that you just mentioned, he is responsible for bringing in a lot of players that are good character guys, great hitters. I think Justin Turner, albeit not 20 years old anymore, is a professional hitter. He can hit it anywhere and everywhere, whenever, however he wants. That's the beauty of Justin Turner. Kenley Jensen is an elite level closer who I thought was going to be top three in American League, uh, in the American League for saves. He's done everything ass of him. I, I also can't be too upset at Kike Hernandez because there are players that I have been gung ho all for since day one. Adalberto Mondesi was one of them. He has played in exactly zero games for the Red Sox with still no timetable to return. And I thought, hey, we can laugh, we can say whatever we want, but I've been on the record as saying I'm patiently waiting for him to come because I think he's going to be the second coming. Right? And we're just going to have to watch to see not one but two super speedy guys because there's going to be him and Duran. Both have wheels for days, and he hasn't played yet. Kike Hernandez has been able to handle uh, long stretches of, of multiple positions, the versatility, as Terry mentioned. He's also not getting injured. That's been a problem for the Red Sox, where we have people that are getting injured on a consistent basis. Not happening with Kike, so I'm, I'm thankful in that regard. Uh, uh, Terry, go ahead. The Dodgers knew that Kike Hernandez wasn't an everyday player. That's why he became a free agent. They had Chris Taylor as a super utility guy, and they preferred him, so he got the extension from the Dodgers. The Red Sox just weren't that smart, and we fell in love with 2021, which you've kind of alluded to. Um, so so that that's number one. Number two... How bad did Kike screw himself by taking that one-year $10 million deal? Because he could have had a pretty nice multi-year contract uh, last year, despite being hurt. So he would have had a nice deal. Now he's played like crap this year. I mean, who's going to sign him to more than one year? Uh, you know, Nobody. This winter. So he screwed himself. No, no. But I... Yeah. I, I so here's the thing, and I apologize for cutting you off. I think that there's an expression that has been around for a really long time. Unfortunately, it doesn't really exist anymore because the kids these days, and I say kids because most of them are in their 20s, don't understand, and they're still kids. They're young. They're naive. They're stupid. They make mistakes. Loyalty is the greatest form of currency. It is not something that is understood and taken into account anymore like it once was. Loyalty is the greatest form of currency. The Red Sox wanted to give Kike Hernandez what he wanted. I wanted to be a full-time starter. The Red Sox said, okay, let's try it out. Let's see what happens with you being a starter. All he wanted to do. How does he reward you? 20 home runs in year one. Oh, yeah, let me bring you over an all-star caliber third baseman that can hit the ball anywhere. Let me bring in an all-star closer that can shut the door regardless of the situation and make it look silly. Let me also help bring in a reliever that can get things done. Oh, Verdugo, we had the opportunity of playing together. Let me talk to him, see if I can make him better. He's a leader in more ways than one. And while the bat may not be there, he's also being able to help, I, I want to say, mold the younger guys. I don't think he's giving hitting tips and and advice. I think he's being able, I think he's being 
helpful in ways that may not be offensive or, or de- you know, God help us if it's defensive right now, especially at short. But I think he's helping the team in more ways than one. We just can't physically see it. As much as Mookie Betts annoyed the hell out of us for years, Mookie Betts did a lot for Boston that people don't know about. Mookie Betts donated donated a lot of his time, a lot of his money. He and his uh, his partner, before they were married, did a lot for charity in Boston, bowling tournaments, uh, helping out the needy in Boston. And people didn't talk about him. People, I think there was a reporter who asked him, are you Mookie Betts of the Boston Red Sox? And he said, yeah, as if it was nothing. He was just doing the right thing. So Kiki Hernandez, I really do believe in my heart he is that type of guy where he's doing the right thing behind closed doors. We just don't see it. And I think that has also bought him a little extra leash because if he was a head case, he'd be gone. Let's be, let's be honest for a second here. This team is, has not been shy about shelling out players that just don't want to be here or aren't getting done anymore. Kiki Hernandez is not one of those guys. He's just not. And, He's as as brutal as it's been. He's just not going to be a guy I'm going to boo ever. I'm not going to do it. I won't. I'm I'm going to leave it on that for him. Anything else that you guys wanted to add? Perfect. All right, we're going to move right into my dud, and it's been absolutely painful. Adam Duvall, only one game, zero for five, four strikeouts. Duvall has been absolutely brutal since coming back. Um, this is someone who just, I don't think he's back. He's, his, his, his wrist is just not there. His injury just has not healed. Four strikeouts so far in one game in July. In eight games in April and the one game in March, three strikeouts. That's it. So, uh, excuse me, five total. Five total strikeouts. Four in today's game. Had four home runs, 13 RBIs. 14 hits in 29 at-bats. Since coming back, he has 10 hits. A couple extra base hits, only one home run. Has not scored a run, has only knocked in one RBI since that home run against the Minnesota Twins. It's getting really, really difficult to make excuses to put him in the lineup. The power could be there, but I don't know where it is. And if his wrist is still causing this kind of... uh, lack of production and power and what we paid, I think it was seven or 8 million for him. I'm okay. Not having him as a starter. You want to be that guy who can try to get the job done off the bench, have at it. But when you sacrifice someone like Jaron Duran going five for five with four doubles, it makes your team look really silly and downright stupid. So the Adam Duvall experiment for $7 million I may start to be done with that real soon. I want him to get healthy because the power is there. I just don't know where it is at the moment. I'll leave it there. Uh, Nick, why don't you go first there? What was the rush in getting him back? Anybody know why? Like, why did they rush him back? Because they just didn't feel like they had another right-handed bat? Nick, I I don't know if it's your – Terry, it's not. You're, it's it's ter- Terry's background a little bit. Okay, I we'll go over after the show. We've yeah. been fighting with these issues for a little while. Um, I I was hearing Nick just fine though. Um, so 
they did need a right-handed bat. That's exactly it. Just looking at Duran's numbers from what you see from everything right now, you can't warrant playing Adam Duvall. He cannot be an everyday starter right now. He just can't. Result business, again, you get Jaron Duran is now up to almost 310 batting average and everything. And the impact that you see with him on the bases, now even with the glove, driving the ball with authority to the opposite field. You can't take him out of the lineup. Adam Duvall's June was he hit a buck 67 folks, a buck 67. That doesn't cut it. That does not cut it. The biggest problem that happened with Adam Duvall was the week that started the season. You played mind games with so many people with getting off to such a hot start that we had these unrealistic expectations for him that he's going to be like this the entire rest of the season. Well, he has come right back down to earth. I don't think he's as bad as what you're seeing right now. But here's a guy that's been a big-time career strikeout guy. He's boomer bust. It's not somebody that moves the needle for me. And result business-wise, play the hot hand. Jaron Duran, I want him against left-handed pitching. I want him in there. If it's not every day, give him six out of seven starts. See what he's got. What do you got to lose right now? What do you got to lose? Terry. So one of the bigger tragedies here is that he's not going to be worth anything, you know, in by the deadline. He would have to go off for the rest of the month, and that's not going to happen. Um, you might get a low end prospect for him, but you're, he really has no value compared to some of our other trade chips and he slipped so far down for me. I know I just got done ragging on Kike and so did Nick, but I would put Kike Hernandez number two on my depth chart for, for center field. If, if we don't want Duran facing the lefty fine, I I'd put Kike in center field over Adam Duvall, because you're at least going to get an elite glove. And we've seen Adam Duvall not play the wall very well, whether it's, you know, that that right side of the green monster or out in the triangle. You know, he's he's had some struggles out there. Um, Kike's not going to have that problem. So uh, he's just slipped so far and he could he could go off for a few games. It's still not going to pull me back in. I want Duran starting out there just about every day, and if it's not Duran, I want it to be Kike. Anything else we want to add? Sure, Nick. One thing I wanted to make sure we also talked about too quickly is the fact that Adam Duvall was not signed till late January this offseason. It was one of those moves where you felt a little bit desperate that you needed something for a right-handed bat to kind of equivalent what this lineup is going to be. I don't think there was much criticism when it came. I thought people thought, oh, you know, if they catch lightning in a bottle, if he has another year like he did with the Braves, it would be excellent. But I don't think this guy was in their long-term plans. I think this was just a, oh, let's take a chance. Let's see what happens with this move. And, you know, if he's great, great. If he's not, you're right. so be it. It was, it was one of those moves where Bloom was like, oh, all right, we need somebody to go fill out this lineup. Maybe right. we get another Hunter Renner for a lot of this. Maybe. Who knows? But well, that's we all that's exactly we all knew from last season they needed some other right-handed bat to lengthen the lineup out. And I think that was 
the goal on the signing for Duval. I absolutely think you're right on that. I think it was nail on the head there. Uh, this was nothing short of Hunter Renfro 2.0. The power numbers can be there. You're hoping that they they return. And it looked like that was going to be the case. But unfortunately, post-injury, which was a freak accident, I really hope that didn't derail his career. Maybe he was on his way to a you know uh, an all-star caliber season. He was hitting 455 before the injury. And, and after the injuries, he's been hitting less than 200. So obviously... Not great. A couple dishonorable mentions. Uh, Christian Arroyo, one for eight pair of strikeouts. Tristan Casas, two for four. A single, a double, four strikeouts. And Winkowski as well uh, kind of got shellacked there. Four strikeouts, two runs uh, were earned, three total, four hits, two innings. Uh, another home run allowed. Just kind of a, a woof series there um, for those three. Anything else you gents want to add on those characters? Yes, Nick. The bottom, the bottom four in the lineup. Actually, the, yeah, the bottom four in the lineup today when a combined 0 for 17. Just so we know, that was consisting of Casas, Kike, Hamilton, and Wong. 0 for 17 today. This has been a recurring pattern. It's happening way too frequently here. We're turning into the six, seven, eight, nine spots in the lineup are becoming zero production that you're seeing. So that can't that can't continue to be the pattern we're seeing. All That's I'll, brutal. All I'll add is Wong's strikeouts have been brutal. He's striking out over half the time lately. Um, he, there's nothing you can do. You got that Hamilton kid who d- literally doesn't have a hit yet. I don't think he's drawn a walk at least one. But um, he got a hit. No, he got a hit in the first game. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He had a double. My bad. Um, he hit it off of. Uh, hit it late. So that might be one of his only hits then. But he's yeah. just been yeah. brutal. He, he he's. Yeah. He he's hitting 180 in Triple A against a bunch of pitchers who aren't good enough to make the major leagues, and now hey, right. go go hit Kevin Gosman or whoever, you know. It's just you know our catching situation from an offensive standpoint is brutal. Now Wong's gonna gun most of the base runners down, you know. So I guess you'll take that. That's still a pretty good trade off, but but the strikeouts right. are brutal. But but Terry, to your point. If you have one black hole, okay, cool. That's cute. You can manage that. Two black holes, that's tough. You can try to do your best to hide it. We have a four or five. Four or five <laughs> black hole is a nightmare. Jackie Bradley Jr. is coming back to haunt us. It's, but it's like you have four of those. You can't have four or five of those. And a couple years ago, we were talking about how when we had seven good bats and one brutal one, and then you had Jackie Bradley, we were sick of Jackie Bradley, but we still had enough to pick up the slack to make him look somewhat relevant and the defense saved him. Guess what? Now you don't have that. And you have about four or five times the brutality where you got Tristan Costas hitting under 230, Arroyo's hitting 230, Hamilton's hitting 160, Wong's hitting 220. You got your three, four guys absolutely mashing. You got Duran, Verdugo in and around 300. Yoshida's over 300. Devers is hitting under 250, around 250, whatever it was. I think, uh, Nick, you said he was hitting close to, what, 250, 260, something like that. Um, yeah. So you just – you can't have five black holes. You can't depend on only five guys or four guys to do the damage every single time. That's, you're giving other teams two, three free innings. That means we have to do our damage in five, maybe six innings of work. Because the other three are dead. Maybe four. 
So that, that's just not enough. It's unacceptable. You need to figure out other ways to, to generate run. And, you know, to your point, Connor Wong can four and strike out 50% of the time. That's, that's worse than Chris Davis. That's brutal. Chris Davis is home runs, at least. Connor Wong's not doing that. So we, we need to make some changes, and we need to make them soon. We'll take a 250 Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting ninth any day in the week for the Red Sox right about now. Just yeah, to go back crazy, in though. time to that, we, sign me up. Sign right. me up for that. My only other yep. point I was going to say, has anybody reached out to Doug Marabelli to get a new police escort because we desperately need a backup catcher? I don't know if Marabelli is going to want to do it. I don't know if he wants to no, back up either. time. But I'll take a 60-year-old Dougie any day. Right? That that will wrap it for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.